That video was transcendent. Thank you. I was nervous at first because it's such a long song, you know? It is. It is. Okay. Let me, let me, okay. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Rob Wallace. This is the Zero Noise Podcast, where we engage in progressive discussions about music, life, and everything in between with our guests. This podcast is also brought to you by Grove Studios, the 24-7 artist and rehearsal and production workspace. Whether rehearsing for your next show, producing a new song, doing a podcast, or shooting a video, Grove Studios is set up for the independent creator. Right now, Grove is offering subscriptions that can help you get your project or next creation popping off, I guess we could say. To learn more, visit grovestudios.space. We are also brought to you by Leon Speakers, the leader in luxury home audio i don't have a blurb for them but leon speakers has been great they've been a fantastic sponsor of this podcast we are also brought to you by imindemand.com it's an initiative in detroit that's who i'm wearing today kwan ellum shout out uh we're joined today for our amplify edition by our special guest maya evans the co-founder of the amplify fellowship go ahead maya check in Hi, everyone. Give your shouts out real quick. Yeah. Uh, so since you don't have a blurb for Leon speakers. Yes. Give give us the blurb. Leon is my home base. Um, we design, engineer, and manufacture custom audio. Um, so sound bars for TV, uh, architectural speakers. We can hide speakers in plain sight as well as make them living pieces of art, sound sculptures. Um, and it's amazing sound. So we design... We blend design with technology, and that is our thing. Um, so, so incredibly happy to be working with with Leon Speakers, and um, yeah, you can check us out at leonspeakers.com. Absolutely, absolutely. This podcast is produced by Project Plugin and shared with all streaming platforms through Captivate. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you are hearing or watching the podcast. So. This is the last episode of this season's, this inaugural season of the Zero Noise podcast. And I know up to this point, I've had like this long statement that I make at the beginning. And I, in, in going back and listening, it's kind of pretentious a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they say, you know, don't be the, don't be the wordsmith in the room. Have you been doing grant writing for too long? I have. Is that? <laughs> I have. I'm like getting all deep and stuff. So here's what it comes down to. I listen to a lot of music. Art is important to me. I like to talk to cool people. I feel like music decorates time. Absolutely. As the people who come to talk to me, we talk about an album or a project that changed their lives. Um, we can't play the music because of, you know, all the legal stuff, but... You will never hear it the same afterwards. So this is a music podcast, but it is a people's podcast. And the person today is Danny Darling. And the album is The Future. Future. We've had an opportunity just to watch the first video from The Future for the single Down. It's not The Down. Mm -hmm. It is The Down. Yes. I keep calling it Down. (laughs) <laughs> I think that's just been the working title in my mind. Yeah. So what before we get into your life and all that your life has traveled, seeing that as the culmination of where you are today, mm-hmm. 
And the single is available now. Yeah. Um, on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, DannyDarling.Bandcamp.com. Yep. Um, what does that video represent to you? Um, I think it's kind of like my experience through the pandemic. Um, and also like I'm, I'm super metaphorical just cause I'm so neurotic and there's so many like influences. Um, you know, I, I said I wanted to do a psychedelic album. Yes. I said that, um, dark side of the moon was one of my big influences on this particular album. And I just remember in college people saying like, if you turn on dark side of the moon at the very same time as you start wizard of Oz, it lines right up. And I was like, Oh cool. And I tried it and I didn't see it, mm-hmm. but I, I remembered that and then when it came to the pandemic Mm -hmm. I was like you know I did feel like the color got drained out of my world a little bit Mm. you know Um, I heard London talking about that in, in, in their podcast about how you know you just feel like all of the energy or or vibe is kind of drained and so I wanted to do kind of like a Wizard of Oz in reverse and do you know the pandemic brings that kind of hollow black and white type vibe and having to look within Mm. to find it um, and find your people and I think that has been my experience was having to acknowledge the the dark feelings of being you know isolated and scared and not knowing the direction my life was going to take at that point and then finding that peace finding my people still finding that energy and I think that's what the video represented absolutely in the song I I also feel like did you feel like 2020 was going to be your year yeah yeah I, did. I, I feel like a lot of people felt mm-hmm. that they're like going into a new decade fresh start absolutely. like and then all of us were just taken aback <laughs> yes. and just didn't know what the next day brought Yes, but absolutely. It, it's interesting how much the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic took away a lot from a lot of people. I mean, we absolutely need to make space to be able to say this. And I think as we'll talk about your project a, a little bit later, yours definitely documented that time Yeah. overall. Um, and it gave a lot to people too, mm-hmm. you know, like we all, I, I just thinking about our journey, not even just related to the fellowship or whatever but the time gave us stuff too Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so absolutely it's just what i'm thinking about so i would be remiss not to start by not talking about not first giving you the opportunity to tell people who you are in your own words so who is danny darling um i think i'm a dreamer a late bloomer um I'm a deep thinker, a mom, and um, I don't know, performer. I think and even when I'm not on stage, I'm like performing in my own head. So mm. I think those are, are, are all things that describe me as a person. I want to see. Now, Danny is an astrology yes. guru yes. in my eyes. I don't even know if those terms go together. But <laughs> I want to see if I have you pegged in a way. Okay. Are you meticulous? About certain things. Mm. Musically, yes. Musically? Yes. Are you looking for something? Yes. What are you looking for? If I'm totally honest, um, 
fame. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think that's what I really, I, I think I've always felt like I'm, like that's my theme or my, I don't know, it's a huge storyline for me. It's like, you know, when we were first born, we were on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah. And um, I think that's always like just my whole life of being kind of a spectacle of being, um, you know, I don't know, special or interesting or people being like, ooh, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of uh, been a, a huge thing that's kind of shaped me as a person. So really, absolutely. Yeah. So, so therefore, before I even finish that, I'm just curious. <laughs> so what do you consider? So do you consider fame to be like your criteria for success? Mine, yes. I don't wow. think that's for everyone, but for right. me, yeah, personally. Wow. Um, More that's... because I want it to be for me individually, though, mm -hmm. too, uh, versus, you know, one of a group of three people that look alike. You Which know? we'll absolutely talk about. We absolutely, <laughs> yeah. You already know we're going to talk mm -hmm. about that. You, do you believe that you have always been a self-advocate? then have you always advocated for yourself because there's like a dichotomy mm -hmm. like i feel when i think of you i think about a person who does who is able to step into social situations and be seen yeah. in a way but not be necessarily comfortable mm -hmm. do you feel like you have um like did you have to learn how to self-advocate yes what made you learn how to self-advocate? Um, I think there's a couple different things. I think uh, becoming a mom, mm -hmm. you have to learn how to advocate for someone else. And then, you know, you get, you you know, it's a, you're learning how to step into yourself more. Mm -hmm. um, I think also, uh, I don't know, coming out was huge for me. Um, you have to advocate for yourself or else, you know. I think getting older too, maturing, I think uh, those things kind of force you to come out of yourself. I think just knowing that if I didn't eventually learn how to shake my um, self-doubt or uh, I was incredibly shy, even though we were really like a lot of people would like approach us and talk to us. I was the one who kind of hid behind my mom or had like the shy smile. My sister, Jackie, was more the, you know, mm -hmm. the one who spoke for the group, even though uh, truly I'm the oldest and I'm kind of the mastermind, but that was behind closed doors. <laughs> uh, so I think it just was, ap after a while, I just realized that I wasn't going to get what I wanted if mm -hmm. I didn't start advocating for myself. Mm -hmm. It's not just going to, no one's going to just hand it to you. You have to kind of take it. So... Can we pick apart um, fame versus being seen and understood and mm -hmm. known? Mm. Like, because I, I yes, like, I, I understand that drive to mm -hmm. to be known and, mm -hmm. and understood. But is there anything besides that that you're looking for? I think um, if, if I think about the reason behind it, because mm -hmm. I, I want to be seen as an individual one, and then I think there's so much power in your representation and people being able to see you and you being a representation for people like you mm. who may not feel strong or who not who may not feel like they can advocate for themselves or 
maybe feeling shy. Like, I was a total gleek in high school. I was bullied. Uh, um, oh, yeah. I mean, if you've ever seen Glee, uh, that was me oh, in a nutshell. Oh, okay. Um, you okay. know. A fan of Glee? Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I was, you know, in the choir room talking about theory and then, you know, kids making fun of us. So it's like, um, I think the advocacy p- portion, I think, I feel like the more reach I have, the more I'm able to do with my message, which I think is just super important. I always say I'm repping for the late bloomers and underdogs. So mm. I think that's why I think it, it feels important to me that someone like me can actually get, you know, on, on a bigger stage. The bigger you are, the more people you reach. You know? So so one of the things that I've, I've come to learn about all three of your projects and all three of your experiences is that, and it's really a kind of like a microcosm for people in general, is that maybe because of the pandemic, maybe because we've been in the house for the last 15 months, there's this overriding thing about control. And you, I'm curious about, you know, for a person who wants to be in control of their career and in control of their situation like you do. Absolutely. But also be a person that believes that there is a higher universal energy that drives things. I'm curious about where is kind of the line drawn in a way, like between which it's almost like, uh, what's it called? Uh, fate or free will. Uh-huh. Like how much, at what point do you say I can control this situation, but I guess at what point do you say I'm going to lead this to the universe? Right. I think I've gotten better at that over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the root of happiness really. Um, I remember when I was in a deep search for what my spiritual path was going to be in college. And I looked at Baha'i, I looked at Buddhism, Judaism, you know, all the, all the, you know, big belief systems. And I thought Buddhism was really interesting because I had never considered that the root of unhappiness is expectation. Like the more mm. you're trying to control everything or you want this to happen, you're setting yourself up. <laughs> Shout so, out to Sharissa Allen, who always says comparison is the, the thief yep, of joy. Absolutely. Shout out. Shout out. She's such a wonderful person. She is. She is. And so I think... Um, I, I don't know. I think with when the control thing, I, I have to tell myself and like stop myself and say, you know, call him that Mars and Scorpio, <laughs> give it to the universe, and you know that's that's been why I'm more happy now. I think the more I'm able to do that, the the more I have a peace within. So mm-hmm. there's still struggles there because you know, especially with the pandemic, it makes you almost want to hold tighter because you feel scared. Yes. You know, uh, so yes. I think, uh, yeah, it's it's always an oscillation. It's always a trying to balance and and figure out. It's a lifelong process, I think, figuring that question out. <laughs> yeah, I I have a print in in my office actually. It's a Buddhist quote. It's um, you lose only what you cling to, mm-hmm. and I try to keep that in mind when I notice that like yes, it's that expectation. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that clinging to, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Also, want to shout out uh, Janet Jackson's song "Control." Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't want to rule the world. I just want to run my life. Yeah. That's, right. That's a great like callback into we can only control certain things, Absolutely. and trying to control everything is going to absolutely only lead to frustration and yeah, absolutely, out. absolutely. Such a great song. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> um. 
So you came out of the womb as a celebrity. <laughs> kind of. Uh, you know, let's kind of, you know, talk about that. Um, you're a triplet. Mm-hmm. An identical triplet. Yep, we just found out last year. Yeah. So we're identical. And you took your entire tribe along with that, for, along for that journey mm-hmm. via, you know, your social media. Why did you choose to make that such a public thing? Because I, I guess I want to answer for you, but I think well, I like we can like see I said, it. we were you know front and center. We grew up in a large community. We went to a really big church in Belleville. So like growing up in Ann Arbor, we have you know you're exposed to Ann Arbor, uh, which is its own kind of situation. Yeah. And then every Sunday, and then we were super into it. Like we were, if I wasn't a Greek, I was like a Bible thumper. Like we were. Wednesday night Bible study, Saturday night um, praise dance and praise team and choir rehearsal, and then Sunday church, and then if it was a, a revival, then you there all week. All week. So that right. was where we went for our, you know, community, and it was a big hub from of the black community from Belleville, Detroit, Ipsy, Ann Arbor, and it was so many people who were involved in raising us. There were so many kids who were our age, even. Um, our same year, our same grade. So it was a huge group of people and we're all still pretty close on Facebook. So that's why we were like, everyone's going to want to know this. Like we thought it'd be fun. Like people were all guessing who's who and like, you know, thinking back on the old days where we were just kind of like a lot more identical. And so that's why we thought it'd be fun because there were so many different people who had opinions on who was, who was the identical, who were the twins. Right. So, so Curious about how you grow at the same time with two other individuals at the very on, on the very same clock that you are on, essentially. Yeah. Um, how did you how are the three of you different? Um, we're quite different now. Um, Nikki is a flight attendant. She's the far right. Okay. She's youngest by 30. She's younger than me by a minute and a half. Okay. She's on the left in that one. Mm-hmm. And she is a purser. She flies. She, she runs the flight and does first class. And I'm her spouse, mm-hmm. so that's why we go on trips to Europe for sixty dollars and mm-hmm. have great, amazing experiences. But um, I'd say she's actually kind of the more toned down one. Okay. Um, she's a little more sarcastic and dry. Okay. Um, but she's also very giving, loving, and um, self-sacrificing. Um, but we are super close at this point. We talk a couple times a day. We'll just like be on the video chat and not even be talking, but just going through out our day, but still be on the phone together. So we're, we've got a very special friendship. And then Jackie is in the middle there and she's the tallest. Um, she is, uh, she's the one who's always pushed me and vice versa. I mm-hmm. think, um, we always kind of were the more similar looking growing up. People thought we were the identical twins, um, but there was definitely struggle there. Um, you know, outside of astrology, outside of that other stuff, people say your name meaning means a lot. Mm. And so I don't know who decided to name the second in a group of triplets, Jacqueline, which is derivative of Jacob. Which, if you know the Bible story of Esau and mm-hmm. Jacob, he comes snatching after his older brother's heels and steals his birthright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Jacob literally means supplanter. And it felt like I had a target on my back from day one with uh, with Miss Jackie. But she's, 
it's always been in fun and it's always been, you know, when we weren't rivals, we were besties. So mm. I think that actually pushed us to excellence, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, Jackie. And then there's you. And then me, yeah. I'm the oldest, but nobody really knows that if they see all three of us together. Mm-hmm. And I think now is kind of really more the time where people are starting to see me. I went to a funeral at the church I was talking about. Um, our pastor had passed away, and we ran into someone who was, you know, really, like, knew all three of us. And we hadn't seen each other in years. And he was like, Jackie? And I was like, no. And he's like, Nikki? And I'm like, no. And he's like, forgot the third name when I was like Danny (laughs) so I think now is the time where I think I'm kind of standing out a little more than I ever did out of the three of us wow how did the church how did being so heavily involved in church how did it cultivate your early music leanings because you said choir and stuff like that so I think um and how does it still influence you yeah, I think the community aspect, but honestly, we were in we were in gospel choir and church, but I think it was actually choir at school that influenced me more. Mm. Um, you know, I'm really into like the cerebral or kind of like mental aspect of music. So, learning technique, learning that like why were we hoarse by the end of the day on Sundays because we, <laughs> you know, we were just blowing our voices out and our mm-hmm. choir teacher in middle school was like, okay, I got to teach these girls how to like, you know, how to properly use their voices. And I think that was probably the biggest influence uh, was learning um, classical music, was learning how to blend. And the three of us became quite the um, classical music trio. We ended up senior year doing an aria from the magic flute in you know, we sang in French, German, uh, uh, Italian, all that. So I think that was a huge influence. Uh, just learning to, to blend and harmonize has just been a big thing for me. And you hear that in certain parts of the music, too, I think. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little bit about growing musically. So you went from middle school, you know, your initial involvement in, in choir. You did what instrument did you play? I played violin. Okay. And then I switched to cello. Okay. And then I switched back to violin. Mm-hmm. And then um, picked up the guitar in college. So. Okay. And I dabble on the piano, but I'm not. That's I can't claim that. Now you you were performing before you left high school, oh, like yeah. in crowds doing theater and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. Theater was huge for me. And then you went away to college. Where'd you go to college, by the way? I went to Heidelberg University. Then I okay. went to Loyola. Okay. Then I went to Columbia College Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Eastern. Okay. <laughs> I had eight different majors. There you go. So, so why did why do you think that you bounced around so much in terms of what you wanted to study? I think it was a couple different things. I think I really love writing, and I really loved sociology and, and things like that, and then I really loved music. So I think I just couldn't figure out how to make that a career, really, uh, for a long while. And then, you know, I was undiagnosed ADHD, so I think it just took me a long time to really figure out how to be a productive yeah. uh, student and a productive person. Um, that was hard for me growing up. Um and I think we were smart enough to kind of get by. But then as you get older, you just kind of realize there's certain things you need to unlearn and relearn. Absolutely. Shouts out to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> With the... I think they call us creatives. Yes. You know, I think all creatives have undiagnosed or diagnosed ADHD. Yep. And we all medicate in different ways, I guess. Yep. Um, 
So you bounced around, mm -hmm. you pick up the guitar, mm -hmm. you start to play, yep. you start to write, yep. right? Um, and you, when did you first get involved in astrology? That was college too. Okay. So um, I just started reading one day about Gemini's. He's like, that's my sign. I guess that's cool. They're twins because I'm a twin. Right. So I started reading up on it. And then I started reading up on my best friend, Jermaine, and he's a Virgo. And they were like, oh, they're overthinking. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so him. And then I started reading about my other friend who's a Capricorn. And that was so her that I just never stopped. Mm. That's just how that started. I just never, I'm kind of an insatiable information person so it's just it's never you never run out of things to learn about the universe that's true so what else have you like completely like nerded out about like you you went into astrology and you like nerded out about it mm -hmm. is there anything else that you like voraciously learned films, okay. uh, film um music theater um black history <laughs> uh -huh. um all kinds of things. I think it just depends. Like sometimes in any given year, I have like three different like micro passions um, that I kind of like. Lo-fi was a big one where I just kind of dove into that. Clearly, while, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's an, an endless list of things that I'm. I think I have a lot of garbage facts they call now because mm. of different phases of learning different things. Yeah. What are your favorite movies? If I can ask, if you went into fit, if you dug into film. Um. Favorite movies, um, Carmen Jones. It's a black musical with uh, Dorothy Dandridge and Absolutely. Harry Belafonte. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorites. Um, also, maybe I, I love Clueless. That's such a random like '90s film that I just love. Um, <laughs> I, sometimes I just turn that on at night if I can't sleep, and I'm just like, "That's it," and then I like feel at peace and go to sleep. Right. Um, Takes you back to mm -hmm, your center. It does, and then right. um, imaginative stuff. So like, I love Disney movies, um, and I like stuff like I guess my favorite favorite movie is random, but it's actually Kill Bill Volume One. Yeah, I don't know why. I just. Um, so good. There's something about her that just really resonates in the way, like, the crazy 88s ran down there, and it was just hopeless. And she was just fueled by this. I can't imagine being that fueled by revenge, but yeah, I could imagine being fueled by something that's going to empower you to take on something like that. Kill Bill, volume one, is like every type of movie I like rolled mm -hmm. into one. Yeah. I got a little anime in yep, it, a exactly. little action. You know, mm -hmm. revenge, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just curious about, do you consider yourself at this point with, so, let me back up. So when it came to the music that you were making in college, eventually you started releasing music. Mm -hmm. And um, the first thing that people can find from your discography on Spotify, at least, I don't know if you have anything before this in Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. But they can no, find SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Okay, I have a so EP there. yeah, let's 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 kind of talk about that first. Um, Self-produced. Um. Yeah. Yep. Self-played. Yeah. Um. What it? What was the name of it, and what did it do for you? Um. You mean my first EP on SoundCloud? Yeah. Sure. Um. I was just kind of learning the the software. Mm. I was kind of figuring out who I wanted to be or what sounds I liked. Um, I had just, I had sang in a reggae band with King Jazzy B. 
and shout out to King Jazzy, King Jazzy A. And then um, you know I was working with the Black Opera at the time. Shout out to the Black Opera. Shout out to the Black Opera, Buff One, Majestic Legend, A. And um, I think I was just trying to kind of take everything I had learned from those guys mm-hmm. and just have my own little private. It was just late at night, me and my computer trying to just tinker with things and not necessarily having an aim. And then, you know, it came out, like, uh, this EP called Wonder that I did on SoundCloud. And then, um, I don't know, the rest was kind of history. I was like, okay, cool, what's next? And and once I kind of got a handle on on the software and everything, I just, you know, knew that I was going to continue to put out music. I didn't know how much or mm-hmm. how little or how often, but I knew I was like, now I'm cooking with something here, you know? Absolutely. So there is an evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of looking at the music, you mm-hmm. had a couple of singles. Yeah, back in like 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, you were were you already performing locally? Yeah, pretty regularly by that point. Not regularly. I had just started. You know, I was working with the Black Opera, and then I'm like, I'm more of an instrumentalist performer than just you know going through beat batches and kind of like singing to R&B tracks. Right. So I think that is what the transition kind of was was kind of tricky for me but definitely worth it to stop and be like okay i'm changing my name from soul galaxy girl to danny darling i'm gonna like actually stop being afraid to get out in front of people and play my guitar and sing right because that's where i'm probably going to be the most successful i can't just wait around for a dj or for a band to back me I need to just figure it out myself. Like, that's where the kind of the self-advocacy started coming in. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, if I don't learn how to do everything by myself, I'm going to be sitting here waiting for somebody to take me on, you know? Right. So that's where that started to happen in 2017, end of 2017, 2018. Okay. I started doing open mics, and um, Kyle invited me to this open uh, this uh, show with a bunch of acoustic performers, and I met Nadim. And that's kind of was the beginning of everything. I met Noor at that show, mm-hmm. and she was like, I'd love to play bass for you. And then we just started getting together every week, and the band started. So There you go. Yep. So Shout you had, out. Shout oh, out to Whip Jams. And Shout Nadine. out to Whip Jams and Nadine and Noor Borealis. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, as you started to release music, mm-hmm. how did it affect you, like, some people believe that going through the entire process of music does something for them mentally. Mm-hmm. What did it do for you? Um, it was exciting, but it was scary. But it was also a learning experience because I started to realize, like, once you put something out there, it's out there. And once you do, it's like, it's the people who see it and perceive it. It's theirs now. It's not just yours. Um, I think one of the first things I realized was if I keep writing these sad love songs, <laughs> that's what people are going to ask me about in these interviews. And then you get headlines like, Danny Darling's Lonely Ballad of Loneliness. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Right. <laughs> so I think all those things are learning experiences when you start putting out music. Like, okay, who do you want to be perceived as? Like, all that stuff you want to start thinking about. Even in the creative process, the things I didn't realize right at first. Right, right, right. So you, you put out your first two singles, and it seemed like you started to drift towards the lo-fi mm-hmm. kind of world. Can you talk about, like, why lo-fi? Why did you cling to it? Um, I think one of my one of my um, deep dives or one of my uh, passions was um, jazz music. But by jazz, I mean, like, the pop music of the 40s and mm-hmm. um, 
30s, 40s, 40s, 50s, uh, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, like all of those jazz standards that they do. Um, I just really love them and I just saw how it was a way to bring that style of music back. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the way they bring the samples of like the kind of old harmonies and the, um, the, the quartets and, and the Nat King Cole type sounding stuff and then add a little sick beat over it and then you've got like this whole new thing. So I think really it was the old cinematic jazz mm -hmm. aspect of it that drew me in because that was my favorite. I think that was one of my favorite phases of music for me was when I discovered Ella Fitzgerald and I was like, wow, her voice is similar to mine and she's not doing a bunch of runs or like, like there's certain things that I just really liked about her style and her approach mm. and how she captured people and it was something you could hang on to. So I think that's why I liked Lo-Fi because I mm. felt like I could do the kind of jazz vocals I like to do over those and it's appropriate you know it didn't have to be super duper complex mm -hmm. it was just and you know you can't go wrong with the, the hard drums and stuff like that yeah, that exactly. makes it modern mm -hmm. um i love it too yeah. i love it too i love it as a as a motif mm -hmm. almost um shout out to uh i got involved in it with uh low end theory mm -hmm. out in la and you know obviously dilla yeah being kind of the precursor to it mm -hmm. and also the it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to yeah. be perfect, and I think that's important. Um, so I, I really, I really love it. Yeah, same. Um, so we get Nocturne. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. That's that project was. Um, I was going through a lot of pain at that point in my life, and there were some things I needed to really kind of heal mm -hmm. and um, recover from. And I was having all these dreams and not sleeping. And those songs pretty much came out of that phase where it was like, you know, I was having dreams and my grandpa was there. He's a Pisces, shout out. And um, I was just, you know, really experiencing a lot of emotions that were hard to not address and approach. And that's what that whole project was about. And I felt like it was really dark, but I wanted it to feel very dreamlike. So mm -hmm. at least um, kind of cover all the melancholy with a little bit of like you know night vibes okay. so then um you know you had all stars all stars was a single on your next album though wasn't mm -hmm. it and we i mean your ep mage mm -hmm. why eps as opposed to lps do you like how it's like a quick succinct thought like the last few things that you've done kind of yeah yeah and then also um i don't know you can't get a grammy for best new artist unless it's your first lp Mm. <laughs> so ulterior motives I figure if I get big enough and then I do my LP then I got a shot you know? oh okay okay if um, I do an LP now then that's that's my one shot at it oh no oh no that's <laughs> so you just keep doing EPs until okay I, but but didn't did Anderson Pack win Best New Artist mm -mm. I don't know cause I know he put out not for Ma that. not Malibu um, no, it must have been an LP Ventura no Oxner, Ventura, Malibu. He put out one before that, I believe. Mm -hmm. That was, I guess, his first album. But they the made reason, an exception for him. The reason he, they may have the mm -hmm. reason that I bring him up is because I see there being mm -hmm. some parallels because Anderson Pack is able to do more of a traditional band mm -hmm. type setup with tradition, more traditional songs that may be yeah. popish or whatever in a way, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. if you could be popish and be Anderson Pat. Right. Um, but also he did a project with Knowledge mm-hmm. that was completely lo fi and oh, it was yeah, it was knowledge. perfect. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. So that's why I'm, I that's why I always kind of associate the two of you mm-hmm. in a way. Um the production homage was a little bit more SP four oh four ish. Yes. Um let's talk about SNL. SNL. Um, SNL, you said, I know what I said, but I don't need nobody to save me. Yeah. But lately, the quiet got me in my feelings. Now, this was during, mm-hmm. was this during? Pandemic. Pandemic as well. Very beginning. What did you mean by saying that? Um. I know what I said, but I don't need nobody to save me. I think, I think sometimes, I don't know if it's just, I don't always like to attribute everything to astrology, but I think everyone is contradictory. And I think if you talk often and a lot like I do, you end up contradicting yourself. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, owning that and saying, you know, like there's times where I'm like, oh, I want to be in love. And there's other times where I'm like, I know I said that, but not, not right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think there's just the concept of contradicting yourself or realizing that you are com- more complicated than maybe you thought. Um, but I think even in that, I think even in that phrase, don't need nobody to save me. I think even with the way I'm like saying that is kind of like from a place of like kind of hoping to mean that. (laughs) Um, But kind of like just saying that because that's what I'm supposed to say. To convince yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, It's it's coming from that kind of place because honestly, during that time, I was just like, what is happening? Like... You know, I was singing about, like, going live and how, like, it just seemed like everything, you were stuck on your phone, you were stuck on the internet, and it was such a dangerous place emotionally. And that's why, you know, s and it represents social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think it just, um, I just had to, like, check myself on that because that was where I kind of initially was like, oh, I need to connect, I need to connect, I'm a super extrovert. But it was starting to make me feel more and more isolated. So two things on that mm-hmm. a i was so excited when i realized that you were on spotify's scorpio um <laughs> playlist with snm yeah and like so i i try to those things are so well curated uh-huh. and, and, and I shout out to shani mm-hmm. and um other thing is do you know your myers-briggs personality I think type i'm an e-n-f What's the last letter stand for? J or P. Was that judging or perceiving? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm... I would feel like I'm a perceiver, but I think I'm probably a judger. (laughs) 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 I think that last one is up in the air. But I know I'm an E and F. What about you guys? I, I think I'm an E and F, J. Okay. I think... It's been years. Yeah. It's been a long time. I don't even remember what all that means. Right. Extrovert, intuition, feeling, judging. Yes. What about uh, you? I'm an INFP. So that would be okay. interesting if we're on the... We're ENFP. Yeah. I think that's probably what my thing is, because when I took it, I was a lot more whimsical. <laughs> I'm a little more jaded post-pandemic. So I don't know. <laughs> I think you can change. I don't know. Yeah. Do you feel like your knowledge of, like, do you do a lot of 
personality? Are you interested in like personality exams and true colors and all that stuff? Oh yeah. Um, now I'm right now I'm really focused on what's called attachment theory. That's my current dive. Okay. Um, and you know they say there are either secure attachment people or if you're insecure attachment, you're either anxious attachment. That means like you really want to cling to people. If someone does something or you feel like someone you love is um, mad at you, you're like, can we talk? Can we, you're like almost more like willing to deal with whatever they're throwing at you. And you're almost at a position of disadvantage versus avoidant attachment, people who are insecure. So they just avoid and usually avoidance and anxious people get together and it's real toxic. (laughs) And then you can get people who are anxious avoidant, which they want to be close and they want to be really, you know, clingy, but then they just push people away. So Mm -hmm. like, I think those are, I love those kind of personality things. The more we can understand each other, the better, I think. Sure. Sure. People are so interesting. Do you think you have, because of what you study and because of your interest in learning, do you think that you do a pretty good job of judging character from the beginning. Um, do you think that you pretty much have people pegged? Sometimes, but then sometimes I feel like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. You don't, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I think I got into it because I was a horrible judge of character. Mm. <laughs> and now I'm like, am I much better? I don't know. I think I think I put out vibes and hope that it just draws the right kind of people at this point. Because mm-hmm. I like to see the good in everybody. Yeah, you know? I, I do too. Yeah. And I... I I fall on a sword mm-hmm. for people, um, for the sake of humanity. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like extinguish opportunities for people to prove themselves. Yeah. And that's not necessarily always a good thing. Not always, friend. One of the things that uh, when we talked to Kenyatta, Kenyatta brought up some of the experiences that she had in terms of trying to grow herself and grow her brand in music mm-hmm. as a woman. Yeah. Um, and she was very frank with us about experiences that made her feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and things of that nature. How do you feel uh, like what's your experience been um, in terms of maybe some things that you would share with future fellows who may be women or mm-hmm. who may not be men? Let's just say that mm-hmm. um, and some ways in which they can navigate through. Um. I think uh, staying supported by other people that you trust and I think always kind of getting feedback. I think uh, a lot of times things happen and we as women, we're like, what's that? No, or like you shake it off or you're in the moment and you feel like something is something you could let go or uh, things like that. But then you get the feedback from other people, you know, like my best friend Noor is like, an activist so like now she's like no fuck that like sorry swears um she's like you know like uh you know just she's really like a strong i think having a strong support system i think before i i felt like when i first got into the music scene i felt comfortable because i had a boyfriend who was in the music scene um Mm -hmm. and he was an artist and people respected him and that's why i felt like it was kind of a shield over Mm. me so then when we broke up it was like all right i gotta figure out how to navigate this on my own. And um, so I just, I think, make sure you're surrounding yourself with really close people who are going to have your back because, um, and speaking up for yourself uh, when you feel it. Because mm. sometimes that's hard, though. I don't know. I don't know the, the best advice. I think people do different. I think it also depends on the situation and the person. I don't know. It's a yeah. complicated problem. I think... One of my targets in doing this program 
um, and one thing that I want to want us to continue to grow in mm-hmm. is teach artists how to have leverage, mm-hmm. how to develop the leverage to be able to say no, yeah, or to be able to self advocate. Mm-hmm. And and for each of you, I've learned that a little bit more because. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it for myself when I was an artist to a degree. Mm-hmm. I was able to kind of choose what I wanted to do, like choose if I want to work on a project or not, mm-hmm. but still feel always hesitant um, to say no to an opportunity, even if it didn't line up. Mm-hmm. So I, that's something that I definitely want future fellows to learn about, mm-hmm. um, how to self-advocate, how to stick up for yourself, how to stick up for your brand, how to... Yeah. You know, navigate people telling you what you should do and being able to, I mean, even going back to being able to judge character in a way, mm-hmm. we can do the best that we can. So, um, so now, S&M, Mage, to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the future, which we'll talk about, all of that is done in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And now... We are kind of coming out of it in a way. Like, I want to kind of like take this and I want to like take it out of here, kind of like as a symbol to the end of this season, Mm -hmm. because this isn't going to be here, you know what I'm saying, for much longer, we hope. Um, And now you get to perform live again. Yeah. So how does that feel? What does that do for you? Yeah. How does, you know, being on stage feel and what what, what do you walk away with? I think... um... It is kind of scary. I mean, I'm a super extrovert, and I still, like, I went out. It was kind of my first time going out by myself on Friday night. I went to the Pride event. I went to a June Ipsy musician June birthday party, met a friend, and then went to see Anna play. Shout out to Anna um, for Shout the Ann Arbor Anna. Summer Festival. It was the Live, uh, the Live Here Now. Yeah. And so, uh, oh, no, Tiny Tots, I'm sorry. And... I remember the first stop I went to, I just sat in my car for like 10 minutes because I was like, can I do this? <laughs> like, can I get out here and like just get right back into being Danny Darling, you know, and performative and all this kind of stuff. And I just had to like take a deep breath and calm my anxiety. And I don't have social anxiety. I have a lot of anxieties, but mm-hmm. usually not social. And um, that kind of perplexed me a little. I think it is. Um, gonna be tricky, but I kind of feel like it's when it comes to music. Once I get up there and the music's playing, like um, with Anna's show after it was over, we got up there and did a couple of Sade songs together, and like we sung together so often, and she's just like a great friend of mine. So once we got up there, none of that from the beginning of the night was there whatsoever. So I kind of I haven't done any big shows yet. But I kind of feel like I'm just going to get up there and it's going to feel like riding a bike. Mm -hmm. I think that'll probably be easier than the whole, like, just social setting. Um, Okay. Right. And, yeah, at your kickback on May 1st. Oh, yeah. 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 It was was awesome to get you to see you back up on stage and, like, very knowledge of an audience, Uh right? Like, maybe, like, I think that helped a little bit. Not having an audience. (laughs) That's good. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite place? right now to perform it here around in space? I mean, I love Ziggy's. Ziggy's is near and dear to my heart. Um, shout out to Ziggy's. Shout out to Ziggy's. In Detroit, I think Willie's Show Bar is my favorite little spot out there. Okay. It's just so swanky and jazzy. Yeah. And like, yeah. that whole 40s vibe, you know, that's my thing. Willis is down by Wayne State. It's, right? um, 
It's on cast. On cast, yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Absolutely. It's really nice. Their cocktail, like, it's just very old world. Like, you just feel like a gentleman. Or a lady. I'm really interested to see what happens in the next few weeks when it comes to live performance. Mm -hmm. Because there are new places. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, and everybody is kind of reaching right now for that crowd to a point, you know, people who want to hear it. So... Get your sets together, people. There's a lot of there's a lot of people looking for people to do stuff. Yeah. So you know. Cause I haven't closed my schedule. Calendar's closed for here, so. Really, you're oh, closed. Yeah. You're closed for the rest of the season. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, people talk about booked and busy, but I'd rather be like evenly scheduled and well rested. There you go. <laughs> you I know, get it. You know, mental health. I get it. So. One of the things you you now have this catalog. Mm-hmm. You have things that you can reach back to. Mm-hmm. You also have some really strong covers that you can do if you choose to, mm-hmm. you know, for these sets. Um, but thanks to the fellowship, yes. you also have a brand new EP yes. that comes out on June 25th. Yes. Which will be a few days after this is released, Laura's Will. Mm-hmm. Um The Future the future now we've talked a little bit about you know the context of the album mm-hmm. um but the future is an ep it is an ep it has what i would consider to be four full-length records mm-hmm. um and two interludes in a way sublime is mm-hmm. a record kind of in mm-hmm. a way too absolutely um what do you want let, let's kind of talk, because of the amount of songs on it, we can kind of talk about them individually. Is that cool? Sure. So let's talk about Sublime. Okay. And I remember very distinctly, I will never forget this as long as I live, by the way. Uh-huh. The first time I heard this record uh-huh. at Taylor's house, uh-huh. and it's dusk, uh-huh. and his cat is walking in and out of the room. Uh-huh. Did he find his cat, by the way? No. Well, he's out there, but he's not coming inside Oh, right no! <laughs> I'm going to say a silent prayer for his yeah, cat. Forest. But... Um, when I first heard it come on, obviously the first thing that you hear is amplify static, mm-hmm. like amplify static that, you know, so it's almost a throwback to what came before. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you have your guitar mm-hmm. kind of strumming in mm-hmm. and then you hear this flute mm-hmm. and let's, let's talk about the flute. Yes. The flute kind of is the guy mm-hmm. for the entirety of the journey. Talk, can you talk about your, like, have you been working with the flute player for a while? What's his name? His name is James. Um, he is an amazing, I can't say enough about James. We met him the first time we did the studio session. Um, I remember saying to uh, Taylor that I wanted it to sound retro. I wanted it to sound very, like, 70s and to me that kind of the flute kind of just reminds me of that when I grew up my sister had this amazing Hubert Laws record and it was on vinyl and he's a black uh, flautist from the 70s still alive I love him so much I found him on Twitter Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure he's not doing that account but it's it's (laughs) exciting but he just he had this song called Gymnopedi and it's just the most beautiful one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard and it just that reminded me of the 70s it reminded me of like that kind of black hippie vibe and like I just really wanted that to kind of be woven in through the album and so I told him that and um, 
he found James on Instagram and um, we got together and it was history. Like it was after that, the rest was history. We found out that we have the same sun, moon and rising sign. And yeah. so honestly, I just really feel like when he plays, it just feels like, I don't know, my soul responds. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like when you hear drums and you you know feel the ancestors, like when that flute starts to play, I just feel like this angst and like release. And so it's been just such a beautiful experience working with him and he's gonna play with us hopefully forever. But um, he'll be at the uh, show and, and he's a part of the family now, really. So good. Yeah. Good. I, I just um, it is kind of like a stirring moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I hear music different than other people. Yeah. I, I know I do. I listen to it from a very I like to say analytical versus saying critical because I don't like to judge other people's music. I just like to try to understand the language that you're speaking. Yeah. And I, I absolutely, when I first heard that, said, okay, the flute is like a palate cleanser for me. Yeah. It kind of came in and just kind of said, this is about to be something that you need to kind of sit still and just kind of participate in. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the, you know, you the song comes in and you start to sing. And one of the things that kind of came in during the second movement of the song, mm-hmm. and I don't want to give away too much, but you said, who's writing this? Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that? Um, Like when you end up in situations where, you know, you see a man get murdered on camera, you know, and people are, you know, scared and hiding in their homes. Like, that's what the pandemic felt like at first. Like, everyone was hiding. Everything was scary. And it's just like, how did we get here? Like, it kind of makes you want to ask, like, okay, like, how is all this happening? Like, is this something that's divine providence? If so, can I have a little input? (laughs) You know? Right. Um, So I think that's kind of what... um, what that line was about was just kind of like not questioning God, but just kind of being like, okay, if there's something that there's, you know, everything works out for our good or all things work together for the good. I just, I'm struggling right now, you know, and there's certain things I want to be different. And even if that's not the case, I'm going to speak up and say that, you know, excellent. The down, mm-hmm. um, was the down, can you talk about uh, was the down a product of the New Year's Eve piece? New Year's Eve night. Um, no, no, no. The, the down I had started writing probably the summer before. Okay. Um, and it had way different lyrics. Um, but the chords were the same, and I knew what I wanted to do for the chorus. Okay. Um, but that we have been playing that song as a band for months. Um, in rehearsals. And it just wasn't coming together right. I don't know what, it just wasn't, still didn't feel finished, still didn't feel right. I didn't know what was going on with that song. And then um, when we got to the, you know, New Year's Eve session, you know, um, I had Yosef there. He's like a virtuoso. Shout out to Yosef. Yeah, shout out to Yosef. And um, he's just like like a, a musical genius in my opinion. So like... I was like, all right, well, let me try this and see if there's something that maybe I was missing or something that we can add or maybe there's some other shoe that's going to drop. And it did. Um, It really came together. And I I don't know if it was just 
right time. I don't know. I don't think much changed musically from where the way we were doing it before even. It just felt so different and mm-hmm. it just clicked. I think that's one of those inexplicable things about music. And then going back over it, I wrote all new verses mm-hmm. um, because of like the pandemic and everything and, and the the message I wanted to kind of convey with this whole storyline um, coming from that first song. So that's how that happened. It was structurally speaking. Mm-hmm. It was the um, it was the most single to me, yeah. like single structured song. Absolutely. Um, the end of that song, though, mm-hmm. is really good to me. Yeah. Um, I really, really, really love it, and I love the video too. Thank you. I think mm-hmm. there's an innocence in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way the video ends. It is kind of indicative of this the time that we are at now. That's an mm-hmm. entire the world that you are in front of mm-hmm. is a world that doesn't even consider all of this craziness that's going on around us. Right. And I think that once we can get to a space where we can be free again, mm-hmm. then people will get back to figuring out what to do next. Yeah. Absolutely. I think nature helps with that kind of thing. Like it makes you not worry so much about the human complexities that we put on ourselves. Right. And when you're outside, you're just kind of like more at peace. I mean, more in tune, more grounded. Mm-hmm. So I just think about uh, how you know we're we're it's a little bit it's summertime now, but mm-hmm. um, this was a really really dark winter that we went through. Yeah, it was really dark. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you've paid attention to not even if you paid attention to what the news was saying with regards to COVID and stuff like that was one thing, but there was a thing involving the president, and mm-hmm. then you had the January 6th thing. It was probably the darkest winter mm-hmm. that many of us have experienced in a while. Yeah. So um, you captured part of that mm-hmm. in the interlude mm-hmm. um, with someone going to the store. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Um, I think, um, you know, when you're in a creative, like, Free for all. I think for me, I think some of my insecurity as an instrumentalist comes out when it comes to jam sessions. You know, like um, I like to always secretly have like a song written that I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna sound like I know it. I'm like, I'm just coming up with this. You right, know, like right, right. so like when we had such a long jam session, it's like you start to kind of feel. I don't know, pressure to be creative. You feel like, okay, you're on the spot. Like, it's not like karaoke. It's like, you really have to dig in and, and come up with with something right then. And, you know, I'm in the studio. I'm the only girl. So, like, kind of circling back to, like, it's, they are amazing guys, but, you know, self-projection, you know, in a way. But, mm-hmm. you know, I felt, you know, kind of pressure to be creative. And it's just crazy because in that one moment, I was just like, so you went to the store and came back. And so then we just kept saying that over and over again. And we were like, let's go with it. And so I think that's the thing. Like when you're in a feel in a safe space, you could say anything. You could say, uh, I am in demand over and over and turn that into a song and have it be like the most amazing piece ever. You know? Right. So I think that was us just kind of shaking out energy and um, feeling like when the world gets chaotic, we were kind of creating that chaos right. mm-hmm. um, with our voices, you know, and not even with singing, with just like talking and just being like, you know, like we were just kind of going crazy for a moment. So right. I think that's like a release. It was very much of a release in that moment because 
you know, the world was going, it was, it was intense right around New Year's. Yeah. Yeah. And so something that actually clicked, I think yesterday or today on, on the way here is that I, I love that interlude. I like how light it is and Mm -hmm. like, it, it does call back to, to Pink Floyd, right? Yeah. But just the words, like I went to the store and came back Mm -hmm. and you have like the George Floyd Mm -hmm. clip at the beginning. Yeah. He went to the store and he didn't come up. come back right Mm -hmm. and so it's something that we take for granted you know and I I think that's where a lot of our fear and a lot of our like rethinking our everyday routines came in Mm -hmm. like not just from the pandemic standpoint but from from like being black in America and trying Mm -hmm. to go through your everyday life and and Yosef was the only black man in the room. <laughs> and, and, but, so it was a celebration that he made. But it. when you think about it, it George Floyd didn't come back. Yeah. Trayvon Martin didn't come back. No. Right. Mike Brown didn't no. come back. Eric Garner didn't come back. No. You know. Um, the list goes on. Yeah. So that was impactful. Mm-hmm. That was impactful. Yeah. And that's that. That's what I love about that context under mm-hmm. what we're creating. Yeah. In terms of being us capturing how we felt at this time. Mm-hmm. It's really fantastic. Then you have songs like Femme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Femme reminds me of being in like a really busy New Orleans restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like people were like hot dishes, yeah. like waiters, <laughs> like moving past people, trying to give people their food. Mm-hmm. And it's just very unstructured other than you. Mm-hmm. There's James Brown. Yeah. There's, you know, crawfish, <laughs> you know. It, yeah, and the and the brass ensemble just like it calls yes. back like mm-hmm. Talking Heads or yep. whenever the Cure had yes. brass on, yep. and it, I I love it so much. It's just, Shouts out to Ben. Mm-hmm. I don't know everybody else's name. I just know Ben. Ben Green, Connor, was Connor Hoyt, yeah, and um. Oh, these are people I paid, so I know I, I know some of the names. <laughs> Connor Hoyt, and then, Ben uh, Green. Oops, I, I don't know if you want to say e? Oh, shoot, now I'm drawing a blank. And he was the trombone player. Don't e- Ethan no. something? No. Don't make me look for it, because now I have to look for it. Um, oh, shoot. Are they going to yeah, be let's give, let's, let's give him his flowers while we're here. Yeah. Let's go ahead. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give him his flowers. Absolutely. And apologize. And apologize. Well, I do have a funny story. I do know that he is an Aquarius. There you go. <laughs> and he has a landscaping business. And he was kind of the show off in the group. So when he does that, and I'm like, Eli. Ah, is Eli, yeah. Eli. And shout I'm out, like, oh, Shouts yeah. out to Eli. Sorry. Eli, love you. Um, and um, he's kind of like, he was the one that kind of kept the energy up, kind yeah. of. And um. That's why it's really funny. I can't remember his name, but I think it's um they were quite the the group. They just came in and like Ben was their great and fearless leader, and it was just uh, we vibed with them a couple times, and it was just amazing just to have new energy and new sound. We worked with Six Mile Strings, yeah, um, and um, Deshaun Jones helped arrange the string parts for that, and they're just so beautiful. So just a collaborative all across the board. And then, of course, you got James on the flute. Absolutely. it all together. And and I'm curious about, um, you know, 
you produced this project mm-hmm. because you were the conductor yeah. and you probably had more collaborators mm-hmm. total than the other two combined. Yeah. What works well, and I think you've already kind of touched on it, but what works well in those situations when the sound is in your head, Mm -hmm. but you have to drive people to be their best selves as well and be able to empower their Mm decision-making as well. What worked, what worked for you in that part of the process? I think, um, having, um, the soundscapes examples and Mm. um, things for people to hear that, like, um, I always like to give people like I do demos so, like, even before the New Year's Eve thing, like, we came in there six, seven hours. We ended up doing all kind of crazy stuff. But I sent out a folder with, like, eight different, eight or nine different sound ideas that I had just kind of worked on myself and and recorded and mapped out some demo versions of things. I think that really helps mm-hmm. with, with people getting the idea. And then I kind of let them go. And then, you know, in the moment, you know, if it's, you just kind of vibe as, as, a community, I think. You really just I don't know how Miles Davis felt with with kind of blue, but I think it's it's a collaborative thing more than people realize. Even when it is a producer, you give them the music, you give them what you want and be very specific about that and then all you do is just let them go. You Thank know? you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. Did you have something to share about that? Oh, okay. <laughs> so for me, oh, um, I was going to ask. Please go for it. Uh, are any of your session musicians joining you at any of your shows this summer? Yeah. So uh, James and Ben are going to play the summer festival, um, and um, Taylor's playing drums with me most of the summer. Really, uh, Tim is going to be my bassist for most of the summer. Uh, we got Anna on keys and vocals. I got uh, my sister Nikki singing harmony with Yoshimi, so I'll have three harmonizers. Shout out to Yoshimi. Yeah, shout out. And um, we don't we don't follow like I don't know her personally, but I am her Facebook friend, and Uh I just remember her just seeming to have the most peaceful home I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, (laughs) she's just a very vibey person. We all our families are close we all grew up like we went to the same church sure and um we've grown up together she's always been um kind of like like we've always been in our lot in each other's lives kind of even in the background or gone away for years but you know one of those long-term family connects absolutely so uh she's really special to me us coming back together as friends um in our adulthood at this phase has been so random and wonderful fantastic yeah that's great that's great so for me, the future mm-hmm. is the philosophical center of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some twists and turns mm-hmm. in that song mm-hmm. um, from a mix standpoint that mm-hmm. kind of stand out. Um, you know, I told and I told you when we heard it at Taylor's that I, I felt like the bass line was uh-huh. the star of that sh- that song. Yes. Um, you know, there's some tempo changes, kind of, yeah. kind of, not necessarily just big changes, but just kind of going up the ladder a little bit. It's very mm-hmm. jamish. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you feel like that song? Uh, like, what did you say? What What did you feel from that song? Provided you with what you needed to kind of cement an overall vision for the project. Um, 
I think, huh, that's a good question. Um, I think on the night of New Year's Eve, you know, we're all waiting for the future. You're waiting for that ball to drop. And I think that's why it's my favorite holiday is because everyone's so hopeful about it. And you get this moment of magic where, like, everyone is all hoping for a beautiful new start or, like, you know, it almost feels like there's some big, oh, that's going to come down and, like, change all our lives forever. And, of course, you do enough New Year's Eve that you realize that's not exactly how it is. But I think that's how New Year's Eve feels, where you're just, like, everyone's all dialed up and excited and anticipating the future. And it's my favorite holiday. And I think when everyone got together for that Mm -hmm. session, that's what we were all kind of hopeful about. Like maybe 2021 is going to be better than 2020, especially after you come out of a rough year, you Mm know, Um, you're really kind of wanting that future to be bright. You're wanting everything to be okay. And I think that's why that particular song was important because not only was it out of a New Year's Eve jam session, but I think, I don't know, the song's kind of like a New Year's Eve anthem. Uh, so It is. Yeah. It sounds like a, when I listen to it, I hear a bullet train in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like it's going. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, and you don't even realize yeah. you're sitting on the, on the, on the I, I just had this vision of you sitting on the on the train reading the paper and you don't even realize that the train is like doing 130 miles an hour <laughs> when, you know, we're all on a planet that's spinning at several thousand mm-hmm. miles per hour and exactly. we're just, we're a part of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you said that. That's, I definitely connected with that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we move into Van with the wolf and the moon <laughs> territory. Yeah. Um, you know, Rally for the ending of the album. Yeah. Um, that was the first song that I heard mm-hmm. from the early sessions. Yeah. And I put that on and it was like a 21 minute. I want to say it was, it was somewhere like that. It was like 14, 15, 20, mm-hmm. something like that um, length. And it just was a zone. Yeah. <sighs> and I, so. Yeah. Uh, Rod shared with me like the the initial recordings of mm-hmm. the the New Year's Eve. And I, I just, like, I had them on in the background, like, as I was working, like, for the entire, for an entire day, yeah. essentially. Aww. And, they, yeah, and it, there was quite a gap between when I listened to that versus, like, when I got to hear it all come together mm-hmm. in, in the project. And and I, I loved it, you know. Yeah. Like, that's, it's just an incredible journey. Mm-hmm. Um how was how was the energy going into that? Like, did you just like tell everyone like, "Hey, we're all gonna get together"? Like, maybe New Year's Eve works, or? Well, um, for the age, that was our first session, and actually, that one was a couple weeks before New Year's, but it was mm-hmm. another very like important day because it was winter solstice. And everyone astrologically was talking about how like this great conjunction, um, like the three wise men and the Bible story of Christ's birth were looking for the age of Pisces. And this great conjunction was happening again, and it was signaling that the real age of Aquarius. And mm-hmm. we were all like, okay, that's happening today. That's crazy. So we had our uh, session, and I had already sent, um, the, I have a blueprint of me just playing that initial guitar part. And so I had sent that out to the guys, and it was our very first session for this project at Grove. 
and um, I was so nervous so I just started playing that first drum and then it just all came together and me and Joel he knew what my vision was for psychedelic and it was our first time getting together with all the other players and I have never experienced that kind of like a psychedelic jam like free vibe where I didn't feel like I was lost or trying to keep up with with uh, jam sessions and I just felt completely connected and I think you can hear that but that was just I think that's probably my favorite experience of recording for this project was the age and mm. That's why that one means a lot to me. By the end, like I'm going in on a guitar, and I'm like, I rarely hear myself on guitar and be like, "Gone, girl." But like that time, I was kind of like, I went in. Give yourself didn't your I? props. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and just it just felt very like I grew up listening to Are You Experienced. I just really felt like it. I felt like it was exactly what I was in the interviews where you asked what I wanted to do. That's what I meant when I said I was. Yeah. That's what I what I've heard in my head. So now that you have done that, mm-hmm. what as you I don't I don't know if you want to go back to where you were. <laughs> um, I mean, we obviously you can't go back. You're going to go forward with this new experience and knowledge that you have. Mm-hmm. How do you think that this experience will craft what you do moving forward I think um, learning how to do live recording has been a game changer Mm. Um, before this it was just um, me trying to do my own production um, chopping and screwing things or um, you know working with Ableton and and doing my little limited ability uh, as far as like you know, only having like guitar or tracks or guitar and tracks and maybe some piano. But now mm. that I've kind of opened it up, I think that will change. Even if I do go back to lo-fi, even if I do go back into some other things I used to do, now I know how to do like, I know how to set up a studio session and get instrumentalists in there and really kind of put the vibe out there to get what I'm hoping for. and. I think the next few things will be collaborations with some of my favorite artists as well. So So what I would like to say to you is um, thank you. Thank you. uh, For allowing us to and and supporting us in building the plane while we were flying it. (laughs) Um, And from an artist perspective, being able to hold us accountable for the things that you needed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for allowing us to kind of dig and become a part of this family that you have been establishing for years that is Danny Darling. Mm-hmm. Um, because now, you know, my hope is that the individuals that helped you in supporting your project, I don't know what that was, um, you know, my hope is that we've been able to illustrate a level of integrity mm-hmm. and a level of quality and professionalism with them Yeah. that we would potentially be able to go back to them and say, hey, such and such would love to have you play strings or horns or this, that and the third. So mm-hmm. because part of our vision was to make um, obviously a great opportunity for the three of you, but also develop a network of people who can work together and make some fantastic music and make it where 
whether somebody is from here or whether or not they come to this place, they have access to everything that they potentially could need yeah. to really do something profound musically. So thank you very much for that. Oh, you're welcome. And what is the future for Danny Darling? Um, I don't know. Living the dream, I guess. Uh, more, more shows, more life, more music, more love, more healing. Because it's a lifelong process, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think that's that's what my future is hopefully full of, and 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 hopefully more more albums, music, more things, more fame. Yes. <laughs> more people. And this is the last one mm-hmm. of this fellowship, and one of the last steps for us yeah. for this cycle. You guys you, did it. Well. You guys did it. You guys we did it. did it. You did it. You, you, you guys did this. I can't show my boss, but no, you guys were absolutely perfect the whole way. Absolutely. You got anything you want to share? Uh, just the dates. Just the dates for yeah. Danny's oh, yeah. shows. Um, I am doing the summer festival on June 24th. And what's cool about my show is that it is at 7 p.m., which is five hours before the EP drops. So we will have a little after-party um, CD or CD um, album EP release and um, digital at release. Digital release. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Although, um, although I was promised some vinyl um, by Noah, so yes. I'm gonna take him up. Put on it that. on tape. <laughs> yeah. So got it. Um, yeah. So at the release is gonna be uh, that night. Is gonna be a smorgasbord. It's gonna be a wild, wild show. So that's gonna be exciting. And Good. where is that? That's gonna be at the Ann Arbor Summer Festival. You have to RSVP to see the location. A two SF dot org. Yes. Go there and get registered. Or follow me on Instagram at Danny Darling Music. Okay. Fantastic. So make sure that you like, share, and subscribe no matter where you are and what you're listening to us on. Danny, you have any more plugs that you want to go through? Where 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 do people need to go to learn more about this record and what you what you do? Um, my Instagram is the most insightful, I think. Um it's at Danny Darling Music. Um and um that's where I usually vibe the most with people who follow me and my uh families. My, by family, I mean community and friends. And, um, yeah, that's where you'll see me uh, update and get inside look into my smorgasbord up here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you can follow us at Amplify Washtenaw. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Zero Noise Podcast. You can follow me at Where is Wallace. You can follow Maya at Helveticate. Mm-hmm. Okay, explain. Yeah, Sorry. Before know. we leave, explain. Okay. So, um, it's a play off of Helvetica, the right. typeface. The font, yeah. Um, and how it is overused by okay. a lot of people. And it's it's just, like, I don't know. I was, like, 17, 18, and it just sort of stuck. Um, so, that's my, my name across a, a whole, a whole bunch socials. of things. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Shout out to the screen names from when you're a teenager. So Galaxy Girl for me. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> the old emails with like yep. your pet names and stuff like that in there. 
Make sure you also support Grove Studios at growstudios.space. You can visit Leon Speakers at leonspeakers.com. Follow them on Instagram as well. Shouts out one more time to imindemand.com. I know it seems simple, but it's a very important thing. Um, and check out the Amplify Fellowship at amplify-fellowship.com. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the end of season one of the Zero Noise podcast. This is episode 16. We're going to be taking a couple of months off to take care of some other business, some other professional things so we can come back bigger and stronger for the next season. Um, I want to thank everybody who has supported me during this time and listened and commented and told me uh, what they liked and what they felt I should do differently. Um, and next year, we're looking to come back bigger and stronger. So um, thanks for that. I sincerely appreciate all of the support. Um, continue to support great music because when the music stops, everything else does. Peace. Enjoy the rest of your summer and we'll talk soon.